I've just had the sense since I got up this morning that God's dealing with hearts today. Oh, I just know that God's going to do great things if you'll just turn your life completely open over to Him and open the door to your heart. God is going to come in and He's going to take over. He's going to begin to judge every lie and every area of bondage in your life. He's going to teach you. He's going to cause you to walk in the truth of His Word. He's going to begin to mine the very potential that is in your life and everything that the enemy has meant for bad, God is going to use it for his good. He's going to use it for his good. But hear me today. Hear me today. That's not an automatic. That's not a factory reset that happens for every person. That is the person that actually turns their whole heart and their whole life over to the Lord. I stand before you today as a person who is not a candidate for the things of God, nor a candidate for the most likely to succeed in ministry. I didn't come from a ministry family. I didn't come from a background of righteousness. I didn't come from those things. But the God who sees beyond all of our earthly things and sees beyond all of our heritage, our history, and our habits, he called me with his redeeming love, and I answered that call, and he was so faithful. I got saved when I was 11 years old in vacation Bible school, and I did really good for a while, but I met a guy, and he was a heathen. Oh, my gosh, he was such a heathen. And that guy began to drag me down the wrong path. But how many of you know the love of God is stronger? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound because there was a power working in my life that was greater than the power working in his life. Now, I'm not advocating missionary dating. thought, Lord, I met Mike and he began to drag me out of the plan of your will. He said, or he met you and you began to position him in the plan of my will. I said, that's one way to look at it. He said, yeah, I'm a fisher of men. I know how to bait the hook with an Andrea. But you say, how did you get to where you're at today? Well, you see, I was in Round Rock, Texas. I told him this morning what it was to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and how I moved through the, 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 my life. Many of you think in this house you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You blaspheme the Holy Spirit by rejecting his call. Repeatedly, 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 until finally there is no more call. Because you can't get saved unless the Lord draws you. You can't just dial it up anytime like the psychic network. And so we come, I was in Round Rock, Texas, and the year was 1991. And I wasn't serving the Lord. I was hanging out on 6th Street with my heathen. Watching him run pool tables. And one day, that familiar knock came to my door. Andrea, what are you doing? Yeah. 
Many of you are living, that's, that, that's one word I can describe you with. That just summed up your life. The Lord saw this day. He saw you, Elijah. He saw this day, saw y'all. He saw y'all. I mean, I met Jesse when she was a teenager in Hot Springs. He saw that day. Left my desk. Knees shaking. This is how easy it is to change your life. I just want to show y'all this. I'm nothing. Nothing. Unlikely candidate. And I walked to a single stall bathroom in my office and I opened the door. I turned on the light, the fan. I locked it. Right, you know the kind. Right there's the toilet and right there's the sink. And I went. It was men's and women's. Y'all get the picture. And I went, God. If you will save me and you will move me to the path of your will, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And I knelt over on that bathroom floor. That's all I did. I stood up and I turned off the light and the fan and I went back to my desk. And God began a process. The voice that I had once heard when I was a child that told me exactly what to do and when that voice came back alive. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, resign your job. Type in the letter. And that began a process of bringing him, but I didn't even know the depths of sin he was in and drugs at that time in my life. I didn't know he was getting his paycheck and buying and splitting an eight ball of cocaine. I didn't know that, but God knew it. And he, he'd baited the hook and then he set the hook. Now, many of you women who have unbelieving husbands, I meant what I said in the floor and I had a priority greater than that priority. And I said, God, you see, we're going to serve the Lord. We're doing this to you. And I said, God, you see what he's doing. I said, Lord, I'm obeying you. I'd stepped in that flow of that spirit again. And I said, when he drinks, make him throw up. He couldn't drink half a beer. He wasn't vomiting in the front yard. Now. I say all that to tell you this. Many of you think that God can't turn your circumstance around. He took a 19-year-old girl in a bathroom in Round Rock, Texas, 
and a surrendered heart is the most powerful thing on the planet. I did nothing. I had nothing. I was nothing. I still am not. I'm just a product of the very grace of God. And he began to take us in a trajectory of his plan. And there have been many opportunities in my life to avert, to abort, and to move off of this plan. How many know what I'm talking about? But that prayer I prayed in Round Rock, Texas, I will serve you for the rest of my life, keeps getting up because I know a God who has never once not kept his promises to me. And God who is able will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to the power that is at work in me. This is not some boast of arrogance. This is not some star of success. I can't tell you 12 ways to be successful. I can only tell you one. Serve God. Give your heart to him, and he will direct your path. Giving praise today. God's going to stir some hearts. Wait, i got to say one more thing. This is going to be somebody's bathroom experience today. Somebody's going to turn a corner. Somebody's going to make a decision that will be the greatest decision of your life, and you will never, ever, 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 ever be the same. I can't tell you every day will be easy, but I can tell you that the God who is faithful will never leave you nor forsake you. He will guide you. He will guard you. And he is more powerful than anything working against you. You see, the sin that he was in was no problem for the power of God. He said, I'll take a boy who doesn't even like to talk in public, and I'll make him a preacher. I used to leave the service when the pastor called for testimonies because I was afraid he'd call me up to talk. I don't care what kind of person you are. He's the potter, and you're the clay. He has power over the potter, and he'll make you into whatever vessel he needs to make you into. In Jesus' name. Come on and praise him. Come on, lift your voices to the Lord. Lift your voices to the Lord. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. I want you to be seated. Gentlemen, we're going to wait till the end of the service to take the offering at the end of the service. Worship team, thank you today. Come on, let's give these guys some love today. For the rest of the story, what was not evident, because I was not sharing that with her, is that I would lay my head down every night, pleading with God, pleading with God that he would rescue me, that I wouldn't, I, in this self-destructive path that I was on. I'm telling you, the Lord can catch you with a good woman, amen? Uh, praise the Lord. Praise God. I want you to, not six months later after we moved back, because I was convinced she was on her way out. I just had that, I just thought something has changed in my woman. 
and she said, I'm going home, which meant she was we moving back to our hometown. And I thought, well, I'm going too. So we loaded up and do what? The hope was set. Yeah. Yeah. We loaded up our, our truck and we head to Beverly. No, we just we just <laughs> took off. <laughs> it wasn't six months later. We'd already started going to church. Six months later, I lay in my bed pleading with God, pleading with him. I said, Lord, you know the failure that I am. And you know how many times I've tried and I've failed. I said, but Lord, either save me or kill me because I can't stay like this. And in that moment of surrender, all of me or all of him, my life changed. Like she said, it, it, it wasn't a journey that didn't have trials, but uh, let me tell you, there was one thing that I knew that I knew that I knew. I'm no longer alone in this thing. There's someone living on the inside of me. And that call that God had upon my life was not just for me, but see, the Lord sees you. He sees you through generations. He saw my children and my children's children. I want you to take your Bibles with me and go to 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, 1 Kings 18. I had a whole other message in line today, but in prayer this morning, I was just asking God to bring alive what he would want to share today. And the Lord just birthed this this morning. It was beautiful. Don't you love when the Lord speaks? He just impresses upon your heart and he just, he just speaks. I want you to look here in 1 Kings, 1 Kings 18, and I want to drop down uh, to verse to verse 41 verse 41 we'll get the backstory in just a moment and I'll try not to spend a lot of time there because I, I know the Lord wants to speak out of this portion of scripture it says then Elijah said to Ahab get up or go up eat drink for there is the sound of an abundance of rain so Ahab went, in verse 42 of 1 Kings 18, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. They're already on Carmel, but he's went to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, somewhat Andrea gave the, the image this morning. He put his face between his knees. So she couldn't get that low and I was going to illustrate this but I don't think my knees bend that way anymore and he said to his servant go up now go up now and look toward the sea he went up and looked and said there's nothing and seven times he said go again verse 44 then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up. Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Mm. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord came upon Elijah 
He girded up his loins. He ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, this is the story, the backstory. Read that first portion of that passage there in verse eight, chapter 18, and you'll discover that there had been a famine in the land. There was a famine that was called by God to get the attention of the covenant people. They had turned away from worshiping the Lord and turned to other methods and means for, for, for their provision, for their guidance, for their, for their livelihood. They turned to the veils, which was a God of that day. They began to sacrifice to those gods. Then Elijah shows up on the scene, and he issues a death challenge. And then that death challenge, he said, we're going to build an altar. And on this altar, we're going to put a sacrifice. And you're going to build your altar, and I'm going to build my altar. You take your, they, there was 850 to 1. 850 to 1. 850 prophets against one prophet. There's a multitude that looked like they outnumbered this man of God. Now, they created their altar. They put their sacrifice. They spent many hours trying to, trying to, he, he said, the death challenge is this, the God that answers by fire, he will be God. So they made their sacrifice and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Days went on. Here is Elijah, and he's so confident in the Lord, he's starting to taunt them. Where's your God? Is he asleep? Can't wake him up? Is he like one of them real deep sleepers that just, you know, he can sleep through everything? And he said, okay, get out of the way. You've had your turn. Now it's my turn. So he gathered the stones, 12 stones, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and he, he the Bible says he repaired the altar. He repaired the altar. Then the Bible declares to us that he dug a trench around that altar. And then he took, in a time of famine, there's no rain that fell from the sky for three and a half years, but he, now he's calling for a valuable resource, water. Pour it on the sacrifice, go ahead and do it again. Pour it on the sacrifice, go ahead and do it again. Pour it on the sacrifice, so the sacrifice is saturated and there's water all around it. Then he begins to cry out to the Lord at the time of the evening sacrifice. Before he could finish that prayer, fire came from heaven and it fell upon that sacrifice. It consumed the sacrifice. It melted the stones and it dried up all the water that was there. And they begin to cry out as a nation, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now Jesus came and he declared that before, in fact, let me say, let me just say, in the book of Malachi, in the closing book of the Old Covenant, the prophet Malachi said the spirit of Elijah would come. And then in Luke 1, whenever there was a declaration of the, the prophecy of Jesus coming, this prophecy given to, to the parents of John the Baptist, said that there would be the spirit of Elijah would come. He would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to get a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. Now, Jesus said, that's the spirit of Elijah. He told his disciples, he said, if you can receive it, 
John the Baptist came in that same ministry apostolic or the same prophetic calling that Elijah did. So we look back on Elijah's ministry and what we begin to see is that Elijah represented the Holy Spirit with the prophetic purpose of illuminating the altar. Repaired the altar. And it wasn't coincidence. See, Israel offered a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice, a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice, a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice, day after day after day after day. The word of the Lord declares to us that Jesus was nailed upon that cross at the time of the morning sacrifice. And at the time of the evening sacrifice, Jesus declared, it is finished. It's finished. When the fire fell upon that altar, illuminating in their day the God that answers, is the very message that we have for the cross of Calvary that it is the power that we have is through the message of the cross. That the work needed for man to be reconciled unto God and to become a brand new race of people, it is the Spirit who comes and illuminates the cross. Amen? Now, Elijah, being a type of the Spirit, goes to the top of the mount. He went up. See, one thing I didn't understand as a person living in a darkened understanding is the vision God not only had for my life, but the vision God had for your life, for my family's life, for the future, for eternity. So what the Spirit does is He elevates us from, from this circumstance that we are in right now and the pain and the toil, and, and he begins to elevate us and he brings us up and he lifts us up to a, to a higher elevation. And then he tells us, I want you to look out. I want you to see beyond your day. I want you to look well over the, the mountain range. I want you to look past that nine miles of land mass between where we're at and that sea that is setting out there. I want you to look and focus out there into the future and tell me what you see and we see that Elijah never changed positions he stayed upon his knees with his head buried in his knees and he told his servant go out and tell me what you see Elijah I don't see anything. Go again. He went out a second time. He came back. He said, tell me what you see. I don't see anything. Go a third time. What do you see? I don't see anything but a sea. I can see nothing. I see nothing in the sea. Go again and again and again. seventh time 
I want you to look. Children of God, what they couldn't see in that day was what he was looking at in our day. The completion. The last day church. Seventh time around. Look. Tell me what you see. I see a cloud size of a man's hand. See, seas represent nations, people, all the trouble, all the trials, all the torment, all the shame of the enemy, all of the false understanding of who God the Father is and all of that troubled humanity. I see a cloud When Jesus ascended from the grave, he was on the earth for 40 days. Went into the wilderness for 40 days because Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Oh my God. He walked in the wilderness in the state of humanity, perfectly without sin, reconciling man unto himself. Now he's walking on the earth for 40 days, not in his previous state but as we ought to be now he's walking in the land in the place of promise after the illumination of the cross and the sacrifice had been accepted in all the false image that the enemy has tried to convince you and sin has tried to destroy you i've consumed all of that now what am i looking for as i have elevated myself up above all of the crowd and i'm looking over humanity what do I see? Oh, I see a cloud. His name is Jesus, and he's the size of a man's hand, and he's rising up. Out of the clouds. Where is he now? Oh, that right hand is at the right hand of the Father, and he's set down at rest. And then the clouds begin to gather. Oh. Holy Spirit has been speaking to me. As, and I do this because it's like it's, it's, it's your, you're making your way through all the chaos and the things that happened in your days and your weeks. But yet that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit speaks. He's saying to the church, I've got to... I've got something reserved for you. I, I've got something reserved for you. I, 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 gave a, 
I gave an indication at the beginning when the Spirit poured out the first time, when the cloud rose up in the sky, when the, when the cloud lifted, when Jesus lifted up into the sky, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all of those that were in that elevated position. They were there looking out and waiting on that day, that, that Pentecost day. They were there gathered up in, the, in that upper room, in that elevated place, and, and, and the Spirit of the Lord poured out upon them, and every time and every tribe and every nation represented in Jerusalem began to hear the wonderful praises of God. That 120 turned into 3,120. In less than a week, it turned into 8,120. Oh, I'm saying to you, church, God can moment in the midst of drought, in the midst of, of trials, in the midst of suffering. He can change and transform every last soul in a moment of time. He has reserved in the last day, a last day outpouring. He has reserved in this hour what we have stayed upon our knees with our head buried and in our laps and we have been asking God is it time Lord is it time Lord is it time Lord is it time and the Holy Spirit is saying to the church in this hour to those who have ears to hear it is time it is time it is time for the outpouring of the Spirit of God in unprecedented measures to reach down and to lift the people up out of that place As I look at this passage, I think about Jesus, his times on the sea. And how that the Bible says that he sent his disciples across to the other side. I've got some business over there. I need you guys to go ahead of me. I'm going to dismiss the crowd. I'm going to get Mike Sanders to get up and sing the final hymn, and everybody's going to scatter. He said, you guys go over to the other side. They took off, and... Jesus, in the midst of the night, he came, came strolling across. See, the waters were troubled that day. Peter... Like Jesus, bid me to get out of the boat. Why would you want to get out of a perfectly good boat? He saw God, he saw the Lord Jesus doing something. He thought, this is my opportunity. I, I, they were rowing, trying to get to the other side. The, the seas were troubled. Humanity has been troubled. Humanity has been troubled. Oh, but there's someone who walks above the trouble. There's somebody who rises up out of the sea. And I don't know about you. I don't want to make it on a man-made vessel. I'd rather just get out and walk with him because I am as he is. And so I want to do what he does. And I don't want to row anymore. I want to walk. That leads me into this other portion of this passage here. So the portion of the passage here. If you're looking for the reference when Jesus rose in the clouds, it's Acts 1 and 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, 
while the servant was watching, he was taken up and the cloud received them out of his sight. Church is on alert. There was a heavy rain. Now, Elijah told Ahab, he said, I want you to go up. You got your belly full. Now, you better get in your chariot and take off because what's about to stop you is the rain. Oh, let me tell you, folks. I have the utmost confidence in him. I have the utmost confidence in the Holy Spirit. The only thing that's going to change the world in which we live and bring about a harvest of souls that needs to come into the kingdom of God will be the Holy Spirit. Will be the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be the one that stops whatever political agenda, whatever, whatever vile thing that is out there trying to, to stop the move of the Spirit of God to bring sons and daughters into the kingdom of God. It will be by the power of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. The revealer is here, and he's revealing to the hearts of the church that what you need is Jesus Christ. Who you need is him. I just need you to start watching I need you to watch your words watch your day watch around you because the Spirit of the Lord is poured out upon the church in these last days now Ahab get up and get going the Bible says that he takes off now it happened in the meantime the sky became black and clouds verse 45 and there was a heavy rain so Ahab rode away went away to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah girded up his loins he ran ahead of Ahab he wasn't following the world the world followed him he, wouldn't, he didn't change the fads and the fashions in the church to accommodate whatever's going on around him. No, he got out ahead of him. I just get on ahead. Let's just get into the presence of God, to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, I don't know. Maybe it was recorded there. Maybe sometime in Greece. I didn't, I didn't look at the history on it. But it's 25 miles from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. 25 miles. He was running with stamina and speed that exceeded the chariots. Now, Jeremiah, he's there and he's making complaint before the Lord. And I've shared this, but I believe it's for somebody in this house. Jeremiah 12 and 5. Have you ever just got so disgusted about things around you that you just, ugh. He said, if you have run with the footmen, they have wearied you. How are you going to be able to contend with the horses? And if the land is of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, and how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? 
The last part of that is saying when everything is peace and safety, and you're getting weary, on the other side of that, when the floods come in, how are you going to contend? And then he says to him, and it's almost like, man, Lord, I thought it was tough. I'm running with a footman. I'm tired. The Lord lets us run with the footman and get a little conditioning in us, amen? I told you about a year or so ago, I started running. I know the problem is, is it just makes me hungrier than I was before. <laughs> so I'm trying to run more than I eat. It was kind of sad as I, I could only run about five or six blocks. You know? I was doing it in an hour of the day where nobody was around. Even the, the elderly persons that are out there at 5 a.m., they're walking. And they're just like... <laughs> 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 I had stopped listening to my body. My foot starts rebelling. My hip starts rebelling. My uh, just pain everywhere. I was a little bit long coming in, and Andrew was like, okay, this may be it. Where's he at? Where's he at? She's tracking me because I carry my phone in case something happens. I'm up to four miles. Nonstop. Four miles. Nonstop. You want to race? No. No, I tell you that because you can do a lot more than what you think you can. You really can but now the Lord is he's asking of Jeremiah something beyond his ability you kept up with the footmen the soldiers but I want you to run with the horses how in the world are we going to get this done Elijah did not run as a physical man in his physical strength he ran with stamina and with speed to the destination appointed by God. You cannot make this journey in your own strength. You cannot make this journey of, of walking out of the sorrow and the grief and the regret and the shame and the pain and all of the things that are on you right now. It's not your strength that's going to get you through. It is the strength of the Lord. God tells us in his word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're in that valley of despair, it is his strength that will pick you up. I pleaded with the Lord that night laying in my bed at 711 Jefferson Street. We had moved from Austin and we moved back to our hometown. We started going to church, but I wasn't surrendered. I thought I was saved. I was given a doctrine that said, oh, you just got to say this little prayer and now everything is fine. No, it's not fine unless you surrender. You've got to believe, and you've got to surrender all of me for all of you, all of you for all of me. And in that moment, I said, oh, God, I can't do this. You remember the time of the self-help things that were out there? 
You, you can reprogram your mind and you can, get a, you can, you can understand uh, how to be a better person by reprogramming your mind. It's still out there. <laughs> I started listening to that stuff because I wanted out of my circumstance. My wife had enough wisdom to know that this, this ain't going to help you. I couldn't run fast enough, far enough, long enough uh, to get away from the hurt that I'd come out of, uh, to get rid of the shame that I was carrying, uh, get rid of the regret and the remorse. I couldn't run fast enough to get away from the abuse. I didn't have enough stamina to go long enough to get out of all of the things that I'd come out of. But when I surrendered to the man who rose out of the sea of trouble into heaven above, he lifted me. When he was rising, he was, re he was bringing us with him. I, I think his hand was probably clenched. I know it's descriptive. It's a, a cloud as the size of a man's hand. But it was the hand of God that reached down and Jesus lifting, lifting us up. Son, I'm going to lift you up out of the sorrow. Son, I'm going to lift you up out of the regret. You're not going to have to live in that pain all your life. You're going you're to journey right now, but you're not journeying alone. I will give you the strength you need. But you can't do it yourself. Never intended for you to do it yourself. Some of you in this house this morning, you got pain beyond measure. It's well beyond anything that unimaginable pain. God saw this day. Stand with me, if you will. Worship team, make your way up. I stepped into the kingdom of God before y'all start playing. I stepped into the kingdom of God the moment I gave up. The moment I just said, Lord, it's all right, it's all right. But the moment surrendered I was telling God in my, my surrender prayer Lord you know I can't do this he said just give me all of you Lord you know I've tried this and failed he said it just surrender I said Lord you know I've been in, I was at church camp as a kid and I surrendered but or, or I made the profession but it, I just I can't do this it hadn't worked for me, Lord. 
I, I, I can't overcome the cravings. I can't, over, I can't stop this thing. I don't know how to deal with it. He said, surrender. 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 So I surrendered. I said, all right, God, I give up. I went right to sleep. I don't do that. I got up the next morning, I'm like, man, I can hear the birds chirping outside. It's something, something's good's happening. Then he called me to preach. I said, Lord, I can't read. I mean, I, I, can, I can get through. I had a college education, but I could barely read. I could take a page on a book, and I, I, I could get through it, but it'd take a, it's going to take a long while. I said, all right, son, I'll teach you to read. Lord, I don't like to talk in public. That's all right. You're the one I need because I got something to say. I got something to say. I just need a mouthpiece that won't get in my way. You be the mouthpiece, I'll be the voice. And I'll reach through your tragedy. I'll reach through all of it. And what Satan meant to destroy you with, this day to rescue those who didn't think they could make it, who didn't think they were worthy, who thought in that moment there's no hope for me. I'm going to give them hope because I'm going to carry you through all of that. Come on. Come on. Come on. These altars are open. Come on. God, I surrender. God, I surrender. God, I surrender the hurt. I surrender the pain. I surrender my life. I surrender the regret. I surrender, Lord God, all of it. I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you. I can't carry this. Lord, I need your faithfulness. I need your love. I need your mercy. God, I surrender. Oh, Lord God, I abandon myself and I just come after you.